Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to our new time slot, Sunday night. It's Armor Investing. I'm Brett Rosenthal. We're going to go over um, the macro picture focused on price action is all. That's what we talk about in the stock market and how we run money. So we're going to look at the big picture using our proprietary algorithms to let us know whether or not we're adding risk or taking it off. Then we're going to drill down into stocks that we're buying on our desk, stocks that we're watching on the desk, thinking to buy, right? Stuff on the watch list. In particular, a particular group that's in focus for us. And then we'll get to your Q&A. Now, as always, I call this, what we do here is a virtual hedge fund experience. I ran hedge funds for over a decade, been running capital for over 30 years. I'm sharing with you how I run my own capital and that of investors that I manage. And it's your job at a virtual hedge fund. You're the portfolio manager. And I commend you for the effort you're making, right? You're a do-it-yourself investor. You're putting your capital to work on your own. And you're looking for information that makes money and protects capital. And that's what I'm trying to provide. So you figure out how to use the information to fit your risk tolerance, your goals, and all those types of things. Um, before we dive in, let's remember, if you have an interest, um, you can always subscribe to this YouTube channel right here. Certainly, you could become an Armor Insider if you wish, armorinvesting.com. And go ahead and share this video if you think it's important. Uh, and if you have friends that you think could benefit from this, if you're watching this later, please feel free to comment in the comment section. I'm happy to answer any questions that you have if you're not watching right now, 7 o'clock Eastern time on a Sunday night. So I wanted to start now uh, on a Sunday night. I used to do Saturdays, starting Sundays, because I want to see what the futures are doing. They're kind of flat this, uh, tonight, but... Sometimes it kind of matters what's going on at 6 o'clock when they open. And really, this is just a time where I start thinking about how I want to execute next week. And I thought it would be a good time to chat with you. Bear with me. <laughs> Bear with me. I have been traipsing around Universal all weekend with the wife and kids. Total, nonstop, just drove home about an hour ago. <laughs> so right off of the Velasa coaster, which, by the way, has got to be one of the best roller coasters ever, and uh, into this seat to chat with you about uh, the stock market and how we're investing in, uh, in this environment. So let's dive in. First thing I want to talk about, the way we run money here, the way we like to order our thinking. We day trade a portion of our capital focused on index trading. So we're 100% cash in that portfolio. Think of it a third, a third, a third. That's what I do personally. Third of my capital day trading means I'm going to bed every night in cash. just feels good. It makes it easier for me to execute our swing strategy and our investing strategy. And all of it together is what makes up the hedge fund, the virtual hedge fund. Okay? So when we put capital to work in the investing and the swing trading slot, that's where we really focus on our what we call the risk monitor, okay? And that risk monitor is a, a um, what we hope is a simple way to understand the information provided by the algorithms we use. We look at 10 major indexes. And when the algorithms we use, which are probability algorithms, we do employ generative AI to our investing strategy, and we're working on that. But the algorithms I'm talking about right now are probability algorithms, okay? So when we see all the indexes, or let's say 7 out of 10, all show us the same probability, we layer on top of that. And so now we have the optimal risk-reward setup, and we put capital toward, we call that risk monitor green. So let's dive in and take a look at what the big indexes are telling us. First of all, we, we all know that the NASDAQ 100 is leading, okay? And you're going to see a bunch of people um, pretend that the market's up a lot because it's coming off this bottom in here. And they're going to tell you the market's tired. 
the market's up too much because it's up X percent from the lows of last year. And that's all a big waste of time and means nothing to me or anyone on our trading desk. And I would suggest it mean nothing to you. Okay? Price action is all. On our desk, and what I do with you on a Sunday night, and I do with you every weekday at 4.05 when the market closes, is I share with you information off the desk that we believe is going to make money when reward's worth risk. That's it. Everything else, everything else you hear is designed to make the person speaking feel good, make them think that they're saying something important. And it's just a whole bunch of this to get you off your game of actually executing correctly. So price action is all. I don't care how much the market's up from the lows of last year. It means nothing. It's almost as ridiculous as someone saying, we're in a bull market when the market's up 20%. Hey, man, thanks for nothing. The market's already up 20%. It's ridiculous. These are like things, these are like sound bites designed to get you off your game as an investor and make you scared, okay? So just put all that aside and just execute what, we, what you see. And the way we do that is to use a risk monitor, okay? So what we're seeing here is a breakout of a huge base. What this really says to me, I don't care where it came from. What it's saying to me is the Fed started raising rates here. That white box right there, May 4th of 2022, is the real time where the market started to... to to become aware that, hey, the Fed's serious. And so we've been trading in a range since that day. And so we saw the NASDAQ 100. I know it's just seven stocks. I get it. I get it. Just seven stocks. Okay. But the whole index is breaking out of that big base. And here's the equally weighted NASDAQ confirming. So now it's 100 stocks equally weighted focused on technology that are breaking out. The leaders are leading. The S&P is right up to it. Failed here back last August. Failed right there. Sold off. This is the May bar. Okay, we just started to peak out. It's early. The message for you right now, the risk monitor went green right there. Okay, so you can see this heavy green box here. That's the risk monitor going green. Okay, the message right now is it's early in the cycle if the market's going to break out in here. The message here, this is the equally weighted S&P, breaking of a major downtrend on massive volume. Look at the weekly chart on the equally weighted index. Two huge volume bars coming into the equally weighted S&P 500. So anyone complaining about breath isn't looking at the facts. There's an equally weighted index 500 blowing out on massive volume. And it's just getting started. Look at the chart. So step one, Armour Algos give us a risk on what we call risk monitor green signal two weeks ago. Last week was the, confirm the confirmation week where we got even more volume coming in and the market breaking out, okay? And then, of course, we could drill down into secondary indexes like the small cap index, two huge weeks, volume coming in. How about the Dow? The Dow is in a big pennant here, hasn't quite broken out yet. We'll drill down into maybe, one, maybe the number one Dow stock that I've got to look at for next week, and the number one Dow stock. I'm going to look at that with you in a minute. Stock to watch on my watch list. Do I want to own it? I don't know, but you got to respect the chart. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. But that right there is about to break out. That's the Dow. There's the mid-cap index. So now I know, I know what you want to do is you want me to come on tonight and start guessing on what the Fed's going to do next week. And what I'm here to tell you is I don't care what the Fed does next week. I don't care. It's a sideshow. Will the Fed raise? Will the Fed pause? Nobody knows. It makes for great TV and it makes for horrible investing. All I have to do, all you have to do to be the smart money. Forget about listing the smart money. 
Be the smart money on your own. And all you have to do is read and react to price action. So everything I'm going to say to you today, this is very important, okay? Everything I'm going to say to you today, and every time I do a show like this with you, it comes with a caveat. No matter how bullish I may get, no matter how bearish I may get, we use stop losses to protect ourselves from ourselves. We have a base case scenario. We're looking at price action. We put capital to work. We have stops. If I get stopped out because of whatever the Fed does, I don't care what they do. You see, but the funny thing is, the, whatever the Fed will do at news organizations, they have two headlines. They're exactly the same. And based on what the price action is, is the headline they use. I guarantee it. So if the Fed comes out and pauses and the market goes up, slap that headline. Fed pause, market up. If the Fed pauses and the market craters, slap that headline. The Fed paused, market craters, doesn't like it for these reasons. It's worthless drivel. Stop allowing it to affect your investing decisions. Okay? Risk monitors green. We put money to work two weeks ago. We got confirmation of volume last week into the broader market. We've raised our stops on all of our positions to break even or higher, depending on how much money we're making. In some instances, we've booked profits. Worst case scenario, market rolls over on whatever the news is. It won't matter. It's the reaction to the news that matters. They'll print whatever headline they want to try to explain it. If we're stops are getting hit, we go to cash. Okay. Until that happens, the risk monitors green, the market's broadening out. We're starting to get action across our portfolio from the leadership. And I'll show you the stocks that we own right now that are driving our performance to the new ideas that we're building in our portfolio. I'm going to highlight one group for you tonight that I think is very important for you to do research. When I share this information with you, the goal is for you to think about it and do your own research, your own due diligence, get comfortable with an idea. Okay. So, Risk monitors green, risk on. We're making money the last couple of weeks. We've raised our stops to protect ourselves. Now we go into Fed week and we don't care what he says. All we care is, are the stops hit or does the, uh, does the, the risk on opportunity accelerate? That's all. So last week we shifted from buying, which was we were doing two weeks ago, to managing risk, raising stops, taking out some of the ideas that were a little bit weaker, not performing right, Focusing on the success. And now we can go into this week and we really don't care. All we care about is what's the reaction and how do we have to adjust. That's all. You know? A lot of what I share with you today will change throughout the week. All I can say is subscribe if you want to join us all day on the trading desk. Because I'm sharing this information on the desk all day looking at our algos, talking about research, answering questions, and trading, and sharing with you how I do that. Okay? So you can always join us if you want. But if I see you just once a week at the, every Sunday night, then what I request you do is remember that I'm sharing with you my opinion right now, but price action is all on our desk. Okay? And so depending on what the action is, we'll, we'll adjust if we have to. Okay, um, so let's dive in now to stocks that are in our portfolio driving performance, what, and then what stocks we're looking to add to the portfolio, and then I'm going to share with you, it'll kind of dovetail, um, what's the group we're in, that are, that's really in focus for us next week. So first of all, real quick, uh, obviously, we're on top of the NASDAQ 100 trades, okay? So these are our favorite NASDAQ 100 names right now. We're long Amazon, okay? We're long Meta. We're long Netflix. Really like that move, really accelerating. Um, and um, you, you know what? We're long Adobe. We picked that off last week off of that pennant 
breakout. Okay, so we're making money in Adobe. And then I think you'd have to round it out with Tesla. Now, Tesla is one of our best positions, making a lot of money this year. You can see on this graph here, generative AI, okay, plus the Armour Algo entry point was right here, that green bar right there. And we started positioning the stock right as it popped above the 50-day moving average, breaking this um, downward, what you call a, a bottoming wedge. And let me tell you something. That was very hard for me to do at the time. And technical analysis, don't forget, is, a, is, is an art, not a science. You can't fall in love with a particular drawing that you've made on a chart. You have to constantly reassess what's going on, okay? And so at the time, I looked at Tesla chart. I said, God, that looks like just an awful top that's building. And I'll show you what I mean, right? This was a huge top. It looked like it was building, just huge. But when we saw the bottoming wedge and generative AI plus the Armour Algo, which is a probability algorithm for stocks, was giving us a risk on right in here, it took me about a week to realize, geez, you know what? That's right. I got, I got to get rid of my prejudice. I have to stop predicting what I think is going to happen and just react to what is happening. And our job when we're trading and investing is to put a position on closest to the stop and then let it mature. It either hits the stop or you make a lot of money. Don't tinker with the idea once you get on it. Mentally assume when you buy a stock and you know what your stop loss is, do the math. How much money are you going to lose on that investment? Okay. If it's too much, your position size is too big. Cut it down. Then get to a level where you say, okay, I can live with that. And stop thinking about it. It's already been lost mentally. You've already lost it. Now it's all gravy from here. You start making money, you raise your stop to break even. Now you can't lose any money. Theoretically, I know there could be a gap down and you'll lose money, but theoretically, now it's up here, your break evens, your stops break even. The faster you can get off of a losing stop, the easier it is to make money investing. Right? It pops up. You raise your stop to break even. Now you're playing with the proverbial house money. Leave it alone. Don't over tinker with it. Your job is to get on a couple of unbelievable investments in your portfolio and let them run. They'll make up for everything else. If you're real good, your portfolio will blossom from a couple to four or five, right? To seven to 10. Now you've got a long-term portfolio. It's going like this in a bull market. Right now, we're dealing with the end of a bear market, and we don't know what we're going into next, right? So we just got to execute and pick off positions like Tesla right near the lows. And then we just stay with it. We've raised our stop to that red line. Whenever you see a red line on my chart, it's where the stop is now. Okay? So those are our big cap names that we already own. And I shared with you this week as the highlighted, the highlighted, if you're watching on, on um, 4 o'clock, at the end of every day, I'm showing you one chart off the desk, just one, that I think is important you should do some work on, okay? And this week was really, I, I really peppered you with biotech uh, stocks, okay? So XBI is a good way to, to look at the biotech group. Our stop, we were, we were long right in here on, on XBI. Now, I'm going to get to you stocks that I might buy next week, but I just want to set the groundwork for you so you can see where we are. So we, we, we started buying biotech in there, and I shared with you this week Sage. I shared Sage with you right there, and it was up five days in a row. Bang, bang, bang. This is where we were buying it, and I think I might have added I shared it with you right in here, and it just skyrocketed. One, two, three, four, five days in a row to have a huge week. Now, you've got to do your own due diligence on Sage. As with any biotech company that does not have FDA approval, you're waiting for that approval. So you have to do your own research to see whether or not you're willing to take the risk. Obviously, if the FDA between now and I think it's August 5th comes out and says no to their product, the stock's going to get cut in half. So I, I don't have massive position sizes on biotechs. It's one position in an overall portfolio of maybe 15 stocks. 
making up 100% of my exposure. It's one position. I understand the risk. I've done my research. I think that it's worth the risk because the reward's enormous. Now I'm going to sit back and see if I'm right. And the action last week, um, I, I, I hope that somebody knows something. You know, usually somebody knows something ahead of these meetings. And that's what that is. I'm hoping. Who knows? I don't know. My stop is raised to here now, which I recognize won't help me if VA comes out and says no. It'll crater through it. But if it comes back down through it, I'll have to make a decision if it's doing that before the news comes out. I don't know. And then I highlighted TGTX for you right off the 50-day moving average. We were buying it right here on our desk, okay, right on the 50, and it popped up this week. I think that's, that's a, an example of a company already with FDA approval that's starting to ramp up production, and it's possible that there'll be an announcement of European partnership, possible, not a guarantee. It's a real decision the management has to make, right? Long term, if you keep the rights to Europe, you make more money as a, as a company. Short term, if you sign away the rights to Europe, you get a cash infusion and your stock goes up. So we don't know what they're going to do. But I like that idea a lot, and we've traded it all the way up. So um, to round out what I shared with you last week uh, at the 4 o'clock meeting, it's going to dovetail into the group that I think you need to pay attention to. So we started our four o'clock shows, I think it was two weeks ago, and, and I think the first show I did was about uranium, all right? So just to see where we are in this conversation, and then I'm going to get to your Q&A. So fill up the comment section with any questions that you have, and we're going to rapid fire go through them as soon as I'm done here. So step one, the macro picture driven by the risk monitors green. We've started putting money to work two weeks ago. Last week was the follow-through. We raised stops across the board on all of our investments. So now we're, to a large degree, playing with the house's money. See how much money we can make or it comes back down. We get stopped out. Okay. Step four, where do we go with the rest of our capital? Sometimes we get positions that are stopped out. and We want to put the capital back to work. Where are we going to go? I'm going to share with you, I think, the number one group we're going to focus on next week. But it starts here with uranium. Okay, the number one group we're going to focus on next week is the energy sector. And we've already started putting capital to work. I'm going to show you the positions we've put on. Okay, but uranium had CCJ had a huge breakout and a beautiful consolidated pennant on top of it. So we're looking for follow through next week. I think the stock can still be bought here. In fact, if it starts to follow through, I might want to build my position size bigger. My favorite, you know, ETF is URA, which, which actually made new highs already while CCJ was consolidating. That tells you the rest of the group's starting to come on. All right, so if this starts to extend, I might add to it. But I really believe it's time to focus on U.S. exploration and production. And my favorite, really, group inside of the group is oil service stocks. So we were buying in the green boxes right in here. Our stop is right there, so we're not that far away from the stop, and that's why I want to highlight it for you today. Same as in here. The two companies that are uh, maybe three that I would put on either the whiteboard or we already own them, there's two oil service companies to do some research on. One's FTI, okay, buying it, breaking out of the base there. And I'm not going to go into the details of these ideas. You have to do your own research here. But there's Tidewater breaking out of its base there. And then I'm following that up with Rig. And all of the drilling stocks are starting to look interesting to me. Rig hasn't even broken out yet. It's right around where we bought it. You know, and you can throw in DO. The offshore oil stocks are making these pennants. They look like they really want to break out. I think DO... And rig are my favorites in that in that regard. There's a couple of thoughts on why I like this group, and then let's get to Q and A. First of all, uranium's breaking out already. 
for some reason they run together. I guess it's energy. But I, want, I just want to say two, two big picture things. And this is not a prediction. I don't know if it's right. I'll go to cash if I hit the stop. Do I have to keep saying that? I hope not. The more we talk to each other, the more you know. I'm sharing information, but I use stops to protect myself. And that could change throughout the week. Okay? If that makes you uncomfortable, um, then, of course, you know, consider subscribing and becoming an Armor Insider, and I'll share with you what I'm doing as it's happening, right? Because it's going to change dependent on price action. But having said all that, I think anybody who believes that we're going to be energy independent by 2030 is joking. I don't know if they're deluding themselves or trying to delude us. You know, anybody know the movie, The Big Chill? One of my favorite quotes, never underestimate the power of self-deception. That is for sure. So there's a bunch of people out there that actually think there's going to be energy independence or whatever you want to call it, or no longer dependent on fossil fuels by 2030. It's a total joke. It's not even remotely feasible. So let's just table that, okay? Have you seen the performance of ESG hedge funds and mutual funds dramatically underperforming the S&P and the other indexes? Just go look at the ESG funds. It's a joke. We don't, we don't invest to be, to be responsible. If you want to be responsible, that's what charities are for. You use charities to help save the world. I get it. And I think it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. But you don't build investment strategies based on concepts that aren't even remotely possible. It's the, the classic emperor not wearing clothes situation. Okay? So we have this wonderful – and I, and I think I read somewhere. I, think, I thought it was just great. If you want to understand armor investing and how we invest, we have our own initials now. It's not ESG. It's E-I-G. Entrepreneurship, innovation, and growth. That's where we want to invest. E-I-G. I'm an E-I-G fund. Are you? Let's put capital with entrepreneurs who are innovative and are growing their business. And if we want to deal with a social issue, we give to charity. Okay? Energy stocks, because of this ESG, for I don't know how long it was now, it has led to an unbelievable mismatch between demand and supply as we go forward, in my opinion. So at some point in here, the stocks that are depressed are going to start coming on. I think you're going to see M&A. Companies are going to get acquired. The share prices are depressed and they're going to get acquired. Okay? As an example, I like uh, P as ETF. This is a shout-out to Ares, our, our uh, armor analyst who you know, is really focused on energy and helps us out a lot. I think his call on range resources is phenomenal. Okay, hasn't even broken out yet. Hits that green box next week, I'm going to own range resources. Okay, EQT is a player, and it's already breaking out. So these are some stocks to watch. These are some stocks we've already bought. This is a broadening out of our portfolio, right? Along with everything else we're making money on, we're starting to see money come back into energy, and it's early. It's early. So those are my thoughts so far um, tonight. Any questions you have, I'm happy to answer them. There's some other charts I could rattle off, but I thought I'd get to some of your Q&A first, and maybe in and amongst your questions, we'll get to the other charts. Let's hop, let's hop to it. So any questions you have, just fill out comment section right now and I'll just go through these these comments and we'll see um, what we can chat about KC how you doing brother haven't seen you in a while nice to see you all right Brett 
Hope you have an awesome week. Have thoughts on? Okay, great. These are all great. <laughs> oh, geez. KC, um, you know, first of all, on's one of my favorite ideas, and I actually bought it. Um, I actually bought it on Friday, and then I traded it out. So I bought it right in that green box. It popped, and it comes back to break even. I stepped aside, and I said, you know what? I'm I'm not going to hold it over the weekend. I'm going to hold a little cash over the weekend, okay? But yeah, uh, it's it's the very top of my list. And so it's funny. I didn't even realize that that Q and A yet. I just clicked on the button to see your questions. And um, that was one of the charts I was going to share with you when I said, why don't I just get to your questions first? So literally the first question and the first stock is the very top of my whiteboard of what I'm looking to buy on Monday morning. So I have to just wait and see if we get the day trading set up. See, we day trade, we swing trade, and we invest. And we use day trading tools to get on to swing trades, to get on to investments. So I always like to get long something make money on it that day, and then I have a decision. Do I want to book that profit as a day trade, or do I want to let it mature into something bigger but have a cushion for my, um, for my investment? That's, that's actually how we got on Tesla way back here. And just to give you an example of what I, what I mean, um, where did we get on Tesla? Right here. This was one of my favorite day trading setups. And we got on it early that morning. So what I like to do right here, maybe you can see that. This yellow line is an example now. How do I use day trading tools for investment purposes? The yellow line is the armor moving average. This is a three-minute chart you're looking at. Okay, so the bars are all three minutes. Blue's up, red's down. All the lines are generated by the armor price movement profiler. It's a proprietary algo we use, black dots are the VWAP and armor VWAP and all these other lines. Anyway, when we see a price action in the morning right around the yellow line, which is our, our moving average we like, um, and a particular setup, in this case it was a classic armor day trading playbook idea. Day trading playbook, I'm building the playbook. There's only so many ways stocks can behave to start the day, and we're putting together a playbook for all armor insiders. I'm I'd really like to publish it before the end of the year. So every insider has the book. And what you might want to do, I might just make it a PDF file, and you would just print it up and then put it into a loose-leaf notebook, and I'll organize it for you. And the faster you recognize these things in the morning, the easier it is to make trades. So this is one of our favorite setups. It was a gap and go. I like to call it a gap and go. It was a gap and go right at the armor moving average. So the reward to risk is perfect. We got long in that green box. It skyrocketed all day, and we ended up staying with, that was right in here, um, excuse me, right here. And then we just stayed with it, and it matured into an investment. So that's what I try to do with all my investments. On, I love. Um, we'll see if I can get on it. KLAC. Um, I would submit to you that I can't, and maybe you can, Casey, but I can't, really differentiate between KLA 10 core, applied materials, uh, LAM research. I mean, they're all one thing to me, semiconductors. So I love that chart and I love all the semiconductor charts. And so what we're doing on our desk is we're long triple the semiconductor index, SOXL. You say, well, that's a lot of risk. It's triple. And I say to you, buying an individual stock has a lot of risk. You never know when they're going to announce a secondary. You don't know if they're going to make an acquisition. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong in an individual stock. So what I'm saying for me, on my desk, I run conservative and aggressive money. In my aggressive portfolio, I'm long SOXL. It's going to give me triple the performance. So before I go buy any individual semi-stock, I have to ask myself, is it going to triple the performance of the index over the next three months? I don't know. Now, I'll buy NVIDIA. I'll buy AMD. I think those are long-term growth stories where the triple effect would be kind of a negative the longer I hold it, right? It kind of loses value to get the triple. I'm using they're using futures and options. You with me? Right? So if I'm going to make an investment in AI and I want to hold Nvidia for a long time, I get that. But I never want to hold an equipment company for a long time. It just follows typical cyclical cycles. So that kind of money, to me, I'd rather just invest in the index. And either I'm going to buy triple the index or I'm going to put maybe a position size on three times as much. 
that would be that's the same thing, right? So if let's say I have 10 stocks and I put 10, I, I buy three semiconductor companies, put 10% in each, or I could put 30% of my money in SOXX. I would just rather buy the index. Unless I'm specifically targeting some unbelievable growth opportunity where there's a moat around the business, NVIDIA, AMD, I might do that. I've done that. Do you, you see what I'm saying? So I like your idea here. I'm just, I just, would rather own the the um, the ETF. Oh, geez, I, I, what am I going to do with supercomputers? I, I missed it completely, and and I should have been on it. And the stock's up enormous, and I don't see any chart pattern there that I could buy. So I, I don't know what to what to tell you about that. There's nothing I can do with that. I, I certainly wouldn't be buying it. I don't know if you're asking me if I would sell it. You know, it's it's climbing up the fourth standard deviation above the 200-day, which is almost you know, almost never does. I mean, stocks almost never do this. So it's in the stratosphere. I have no idea where it's going next. And this idea you've hit on is one of my favorites. We actually did research on the desk on Confluent, and I, I think it's a great idea. In Armor Insiders, you can go to the website and go to our research page, and you can then put in um, CL, uh, a CFLT, and you'll get up all the you'll get all the research work we've done. You'll see what I've written about it, what I think. But bottom line, KC, I, I love this idea. I'm just waiting for the entry point. And I'll tell you something else. If this bull market continues to expand, then I'm going to want to direct capital to what William O'Neill considers new issues, which is anything public in the last two years. Two years. I generally won't buy anything that's gone public in the last six months. Because there's always a lockup agreement. So stocks come public. They go up because they're hot ideas. Then they sell off as more supply comes into the market. And then they begin their real run. And I think that's what's going on in Confluent right now. Right? It came public. It rallied up. The market was hot, whatever. Then it's had this suffering. They probably had a lockup agreement that came out. So more supply comes out. But the last couple of quarters are pretty compelling here. And I, I like that idea a lot, Casey. So... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking for an entry point on that. So if we were pay, playing like Battleship, you just sunk my Battleship. <laughs> you got a direct hit into my top shelf of my whiteboard. That's one of them. Bogus, how you doing, man? Uh, I bought M, okay, MNMD. <laughs> Mind Medicine. Mind Medicine, okay. Yeah, I hope we all have a good week, too. Hmm. Let's take a look. I don't know a lot about it, okay? So I'm not exactly sure. Oops. Ah. Not exactly sure I can help you here. I mean, that says it all right there. You almost can't even see the... The screens. Okay, look, um, obviously they're burning through cash, right? They're losing tons of money. They got no revenue. I, I don't know if this is the right analysis, but I have a hard enough time. <laughs> we all have, have had a hard enough time making money in cannabis. I, I just, I, I can't even begin to get into psychedelics. That's just my opinion. And I could be wrong there. And I hope that you're right, brother. But I just, I haven't even begun to, to, to dive into psychedelics at this point. And I, and I had a whole discussion, I think, um, I don't know what day it was. Could have been one of our morning meetings. Again, you can subscribe to get our morning meetings as well if you want. So go look at the website, armorinvesting.com. And you can create a subscription where you just get our morning meeting and our morning notes if you want. If you can't be on the desk with us all day. And I said to you, at the time, I think True Leave is like the greatest idea if, if cannabis is ever figured out. So if, if I put any money into cannabis, psychedelics, the first thing I'll do is True Leave. And if I can't make money on True Leave, I don't think there's any money to be made in these things. So anyway, um, I don't have an axe to grind here either, by the way, for those of you who don't know me. I've made a lot of money in cannabis over the last four years. We rode them all the way up, booked tons of profits. I've tried a couple times and taken small losses on small positions. But net-net for me, I don't have a bad taste in my mouth. 
from weed. <laughs> no pun intended. I don't. You know, I, I'm just waiting for the next, you know, the next cycle and I can hop on them again. And um, and I just don't have any other insight for you on mine then. Festeroso, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. Oh, geez. Yeah. PNGO used to be an idea I really liked. Um, and it's just dead. You know, I haven't done any research on it, though, in a long time. So um, how long would have to be under a buck to be delisted? You know what? That's a better question for chat GPT than me. I'm not exactly sure what the new rules are, uh, what the old rules are, quite frankly. So there's a whole host of reasons why they might be delisted. I don't know exactly what it will be uh, to, to, to capture them. The institutions stop out. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but institutions are absolutely use stop losses. Hedge fund. I don't know about what institutions you mean, but hedge funds in the world I come from, stops are important. You've you got to protect yourself from yourself. And take that as you, uh, what happened to you in BNGO. Don't keep reliving that mistake that makes you feel sick. Just don't do it again. Use it as a guide and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that again using my stop losses. You know, we have an Armor Insider on the desk. And she told us right back here, she said, get long ELF, okay? This is back here in the middle of the bear market, right in here. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Now, part of the thing I love about the Armor uh, investing way is that we have subscribers from all over the world, from all different walks of life. Okay. And the cream that chooses to rise to the top and share their ideas, not, not everybody has to share the ideas, but those who do and who enjoy that process with me, some of them have some great ideas, right? So I didn't do ELF and the stock went to the moon, All right, She was right. The stock was trading under 30. Now it's trading above a hundred. She, she just crushed it in the idea. And I always remember that trade. So whenever she speaks now in our Slack room and shares her ideas on information, I listen, I listen, and it's made me money now. Okay, so got long Eli Lilly, for instance, on her idea right back in here. Boom, popped up, made some good money in Eli Lilly. The point of this little discussion, it's a little anecdote, is that you don't want to dwell on a mistake so that it makes you feel sick. You want to take your mistake and say, okay, that happened. I'm not going to do it again. How can I make money the next time? So pick yourself up off the ground. Don't beat yourself up over the same thing over and over. David, how are you? What option strategy would you recommend for plain indexes like the SPY? David, I'm going to tell you... Um, what I do, and I'm going to share it with you. This is our screen. The, the short answer to your question is I don't trade options on indexes. We have insiders who do it. So when you're on the desk with us and you're sharing information on the desk, you can ask other insiders what they're doing. And we have one particular guy who's real good at it. Um, and, and he only goes a week out. He uses out-of-the-money options a week out. Okay, I know other guys and when I do, whenever I put money to work in options, I go two months out and I like to go in the money. So I almost make it like a quasi stock because I'm in the money. I've got intrinsic value. I go two months out. I look for the biggest open interest. So it's it's the most liquid bid and offer is closest. So if I have to trade it, I'm not getting fleeced. That's what I like to do. But then, uh, you know, one of our best armor insiders, I mean, he, he trades one-week options out of the money and makes a lot of money at it. So it kind of really depends on the type of person you are. But I'll go as far as to say this. The type of person I am is I want to get on large trades on high probability entry points on the S&P. And so instead of options, what I do is I use triple the S&P, Okay. So I use an ETF that's three times the S&P performance. And this is what I do in the morning, okay? 
we, we have the day trading playbook. So this particular day, this was Thursday. We made a lot of money on Thursday. The market set up exactly as we have it planned in our playbook, which is a bad day the day before, right? So one of the plays is to look at what happened yesterday and then figure out the play for today. So the market got its ass handed to it the day before, set up a perfect test of that low in the first half hour and gave us a risk on buy signal in that green box. And then we just banked out on the rally right up to that yellow line. We, we booked a profit right at the high of the day and exited our final piece on that yellow box. And so what I do, I have, a, so I, I have my portfolio, my personal portfolio. I have a third that I day trade. All I do is day trade the S&P, and all I do is day trade triple the S&P. So what I do is put 100% of my money to work because it's very liquid. It's easy to do. Giving me 300% performance. So let's pretend I buy it when the S&P is flat on the day and the S&P is up 1% on its run. My whole portfolio might be up 3%, right? That's what I'm doing. So I'm looking for big moves like that. And I load up my portfolio for those plays in our playbook that have a high probability entry when reward's worth the risk. And then I don't trade the rest of the time. I'm not out there trading. I don't like to call it day trading. I smart trade. Some days I don't trade at all. It doesn't show up. There's no trade. Other days I get a, just a classic playbook setup and I hit it with all guns blazing. So you would say to me, well, on that day, I want to trade options. Go for it. But that, that's not how I execute. So um, you've got to find when you're playing options, you've really got to find the type of person you are, what you're comfortable with. One week out, out of the money can make you a lot of money. Two months out in the money ends up trading kind of like a stock, you know? So that's up to you, brother. Ralph, how are you? Do you feel the XBI, XBI will attract money at this stage in the market? Or is it too, or is it too soon? Is XBI too soon? I'm not sure what, what you're asking on too soon there. Um, all I use is algorithms to execute. Okay. So you can see that green box here. I put capital to work in XBI here. It popped up for a couple of weeks and came back down. And at that point, we were using break even as our stop. We got stopped out. Then it went lower, set up again, and we're back on the trade. We're on the trade here because our algorithm told us to get long. Because I thoroughly recognize that I don't know what too soon or too late means if I'm, if I'm just gunslinging and guessing. So we use a probability algorithm that says there's a high probability that the asset's going to go up and the reward's worth the risk, meaning the distance to the stop is small enough. And if I'm right, the projections of where it can go is big enough, I'll put a trade on. And that's where we are in XBI. I don't know what's going to happen next. I have a huge down day and I'll be out of everything on Monday. I don't know. All I can do is read and react, use the probability algorithms, and then you know price action is all. Don't, don't let anything I'm saying tonight change that fact for you. Well, Brett said it's going to go up. Brett did not say that. Brett said there's a high probability. But even high probabilities, what, 7 out of 10 would be a great probability algorithm. It means I'm going to lose money three times. And if I don't cut that loss quick, one of those times is going to ruin me. So the only way this armor investing works is to execute rhythmically and use stops to protect and recognize you're going to get stopped out first before you make a lot of money. You buy 10 stocks, the stops get hit quick. You're going to lose money on three or four of them just like that. And they're like, oh, no, I'm losing money. But then the other six or seven go through the roof and you, you more than pay for it. It's a statistical algorithm. That's what investing is, and I think a lot of people lose sight in that. You know, they point to Warren Buffett. Oh, he bought stuff and held him forever. Okay, great. When I'm a billionaire, I'll do that, you know. But, in, but between now and a billion, I have to run money different. Topic of energy plays. Uh, thoughts on – what is that? Hydrogen. Oh, I haven't done any work on hydrogen, so let me get back to you on that one, Okay. 
I don't have any thoughts for you there. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about hydrogen. Um, I am an Elon Musk fan. I can't believe I just said that because for the longest time I wasn't, but I am now. And I've seen him talk about hydrogen and maybe he's just talking his book, but he makes some unbelievably valid points about hydrogen. So I kind of deferred to him on that one and I'm, I'm making money in Tesla right now, but I'll keep my eye on it. And you know maybe I'll do some work so I think about it. If you if you think it's important, then I'll I'll, I'll take a look. Hey Saber, how are you, man? All right, Cat and Cat and um, oh, I'm so glad you asked me about Cat. All right, wait a second, wait a second, Saber, wait a second. I was talking to you about what I thought was potentially the best Dow stock that I have to go look at immediately this week, right? So there's the Dow. It looks like it's about to break out of a, and I'm going to change this from red right now. Can I we do this together? Because it's not red anymore. We're going to make it white, make it neutral. And if it blows out, we'll turn it green. Okay, but that's what that pennant is. And so Caterpillar, of course, is in the Dow. And I think the Dow is going up. And so I think Caterpillar looks great and it probably continues to go. That chart looks really good. What's deer look like? I haven't seen that in a while. A caterpillar looks better. That's interesting. But this is the Dow stock that had me scratching my head. I was like, maybe I got to get long Boeing. Look at the breakout coming in Boeing. And that's complete with a shakeout last week on bad news out of the FAA and one of their, one of their engines, or I mean, one of their planes. So, the bad news with the FAA would have crushed the stock last year. And it had like a hiccup on, what was it, Tuesday. Closed, almost, closed well off the low and rallied a Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know what's going on in Boeing, but that, that chart looks really good to me. And then the other one's microchip. Not microchip. Both of those charts look, look good to me. And, of course, I like um, the semiconductor group. So I'm, I'm choosing to play SOXX. Okay, just a high tight pennant, and I'm buying SOXX. But I, I, um, I think all of these semi stocks look really good, and microchip is no no different. Steel. The problem I, the problem I'm a little confused about steel, um, and, and then I look at like. Um, the base metals, Rio Tinto and BHP, which I'm staring at because I'm thinking maybe I got to get long BHP again. Rio Tinto, they had a nice shakeout down here. Look at that shakeout on BHP. Gap down, one, two, three, four, five, six day consolidation, gap up, close above all major moving averages. This all hinges, as does steel, and to a certain extent, energy. On what happens in China, and if you've been watching China, they're having like a deflationary spiral, uh, and it looks like they're going to start injecting cash into the system and cutting rates more and all that kind of stuff. So theoretically, if they step on the gas like that, like the way the U.S. does or whatever, and they, and they stimulate their economy aggressively, then base metals and steel prices should go up. So we can put that on a watch list to watch, but I'm not ready to buy them just yet. And when it comes to Bitcoin... Thinking how aggressive I want to be with this comment. I, 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 I'm going to take a pass. I'm, I'm not going to be too aggressive today on Bitcoin. I don't think, I'm going to leave you with this one thought, which is I don't think anybody really understands what the value of Bitcoin is. I think there are, are a lot of quote whales that own Bitcoin at a thousand dollars a Bitcoin or eight hundred dollars a Bitcoin, and I read about these wallets that are unlocking. I don't think anyone understands the supply demand dynamic of Bitcoin. I think as all the exchanges get shut down and sued, I could argue either side of the coin. It's either bullish for Bitcoin. If you want to argue that, I would say it's bullish for Bitcoin because all the shit coins are done 
There's no way to trade anything other than Bitcoin and Ether, you know. So, so the, the cream rises to the top and everything else is done. So anybody who wants to buy crypto ends up buying Ether and Bitcoin. And I'm sure there's a couple others out there. But my point is what was siphoning away uh, capital from the, the best alternative, which was Bitcoin, all those things are gone. So when, whenever there's that push to put money in, in crypto, there's only one real asset. So theoretically, that should put it up. The flip side is I don't know when a whole bunch more Bitcoin is going to hit the market. I mean, can you imagine, you say, well, 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 it can't hit the market because, you know, at the halving and da, 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 da. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's a whole bunch of wallets. We don't know who owns these wallets. And they could have a whole bunch of Bitcoin. They could just dump them on the market at some point. And we're never going to know when that's going to happen. Am I wrong about that? Feel free to put it in the comment section how wrong I am. Educate me. Tell me that can't happen and why. I would love to hear that, okay? But from where I'm sitting, it's like, can you imagine owning a stock and, and you know, at a moment's notice, they just decide to do a secondary offering and kill the stock? I mean, what happens to the stock price over time? I think we know the answer to that. All you have to do is look at Canadian cannabis stocks, okay? I mean, you know, so I'm just saying, I mean, I can't get a handle on the supply and demand, and I could, I could literally sit here and argue a bullish or bearish argument with you. So I'm going to have to take a pass on Bitcoin. Hey, Mo, how you doing, man? Nice to see you. Thanks for joining. All right. So, again, we're talking about um, semiconductors. Uh, Texas Instruments, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know TTMI. Um, oh, yeah, I remember that company. And then 3M. Hmm. But before, before I would go with Texas Instruments, it's going to be, you know, the, the SOX index itself. So that's what, I, that's what I'm feeling there. Um, it's a contract manufacturer of circuit boards. It's not always my favorite place to put money. There's just it's hard for those guys to make that. What are the margins on that kind of business? It's not very sexy. I, I don't usually invest in contract manufacturers. Um, I've done work on this company before, but I can't remember what I thought about it. So I'll have to go back and look at my notes on ST. I don't remember. And then 3M. I mean, look, um, that chart looks god awful. So I don't know what's going on on 3M. And if I was going to put money in a in, in what in essence is like a Dow stock, there's just so many other names I'd rather go with. So I don't I don't think I'd go with a chart like that. I need to see some other some semblance of the end of a downtrend there, higher lows, um, something before I would get interested there. Those are my just. By the way, Mo, those are just some quick reads on a Sunday night. You know, I could run algos on them. I can give you more information, you know, um, if we took more time. But we're just spitballing right here, and, and none of those patterns really excite me. Yeah, I'll tell you what, what is exciting is Ford. I think Ford's really exciting. And I think that deal they cut with Tesla is important. And the stock, what, pays a, a, a four, a four and a, almost a 4.5% yield on Ford? I'm about to put that in my dividend portfolio. So there's another hit on my battleship if we were playing that. One from KC and one from Saber. Uh, this is on my list to, to maybe pounce on in my dividend portfolio. No comment on it. I got nothing for you on Visteon. I've done research on this, this company before, though, and I liked it. I did like it. But I got nothing for you new. Guys, geez, you know what? I think we're going to call that, if you don't mind, a wrap. We are, um, this has been lovely. I, I really appreciate you guys helping me order my thinking before uh, Monday's uh, open. We are offering now, if you guys would like to be part of it, a trial. Join us on the desk. Spend the whole week. 
be part of the Armor Insider community, see what it's all about. You can take a look at that. Um, I appreciate your time with me. Don't forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you found this interesting, you want to make sure you're aware of what we're doing, and share this with any of your friends. If you have any comments or questions after this is over, feel free to throw it in the comment section. I'll answer it during the week as soon as, soon as I can. You guys have a great uh, night tonight, and I'll see you tomorrow.